Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Now on the line for us, Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard, and also he's got written, what, 50 books now? His latest book, The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Professor Dershowitz, so many people don't have principle, don't have uh, integrity, and can't stand up for what is right. John, you always talk about that, about why do people not have the courage to just speak the truth? I, I because still, it's expensive. Yeah, it, it's it, expensive. it takes a toll. Yeah, John. It takes a toll. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't understand it anymore that our, our country is going down a sewer right now. And, and, and the common sense Democrats, your friends, my friends, don't have the courage to stand up and say enough is enough. Yeah, and you know, no, I agree with you. Yeah. I, uh, Professor Dershowitz, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. You had a great column in the Wall Street Journal talking about the uh, the so-called investigation of the, yeah, the leak yeah. of the draft of the abortion decision, the Dobbs decision. Could you talk about that, please? Sure. Look, I think it's possible that they could find out who did this. Um, probably it's a law clerk. Maybe it was with the knowledge of a justice. I don't know. But They're guaranteed not to find out who did it by simply having the marshal's office, which isn't equipped to investigate, do the investigation. The marshal's office can't give immunity. It can't issue subpoenas. All it can do is ask law clerks um, to surrender their cell phones or their computers. If they want to, they can. If they don't, they can't. Some of them have lawyers. I don't think it's I don't think the court is incentivized as much as they should be to get to the bottom of this. I think they realize that if they do find out who did it. It will cause even more division than there is today. But I think they have to find out. No, I think you're right. They have to find out because the institution is under uh, is under scrutiny. If they did it once, they can do it again. And it's very important that this be checked. And they have to send a message. They have to send a message to everyone working at the court, you know, all the lower level staff, that this is something that's going to be prosecuted. It's unacceptable. It will be prosecuted. And don't do it. Yeah. Look, when I was a law clerk, you weren't even allowed to mention it to your wife or your children. Uh, It was so sacrosanct. Um, Indeed, our chambers wasn't allowed to tell law clerks from other chambers uh, what uh, our preliminary decision was until the justice decided to circulate it. Uh, We would just completely close mouths and we were told to be like priests. Uh, you go to your grave with the secrets. You you cannot ever disclose what went on. And, and this was a tactical decision. It was an act of civil disobedience by a law clerk who thought that something would be accomplished. And uh, as Justice Alito correctly pointed out, it gave people an incentive to kill a justice, to murder a justice if that could preserve Roe versus Wade. And we know that somebody did try to kill Justice Kavanaugh. And that's how serious this is. And where's the outrage, by the way, about that uh, attempt against Justice Kavanaugh? I didn't see any outrage. And the New York Times, if you remember, the next day relegated that story to page 820. So it wasn't even like their top story. Yeah, no, there's more of an outrage, and there should be an outrage, of course, about the attack on on, on Mr. Pelosi. But this was equally important, and it should have been uh, covered more. And I think that I think there's going to be a report eventually. We don't know whether it will be made public, but we know there's going to be a report. 
about the investigation, and I hope it will be made public. The Supreme Court needs to be as transparent as other institutions. And speaking about transparency, I just have to tell you that I listened to every word of the argument yesterday about affirmative action. What I did not hear was truth. I didn't hear it from the lawyers. I didn't hear it from the justices. They're all talking about diversity. The last thing universities want today is real diversity. If they wanted diversity, they should admit more evangelical Christians, more Catholics who believe in the right to life, more people who have an expansive view of the Second Amendment, more people who are critical of climate control. They don't want intellectual diversity. They cancel people like that. They just want a photograph that shows racial diversity. And that's not what the Constitution uh, permits. I'm on Justice Douglas' side. Back in 1970s, in the DeFunis case, he said you can use um, disadvantage, you can use economic, you can use all. You cannot use race. Race is an impermissible criteria under the Constitution. I think he's 100 percent right. And the Chief Justice has said that recently as well, hasn't he? I hope so, but we'll see what happens. Chief Justice likes compromises, and there might be a compromise in the court. The court might say another five years. Uh, boy, talk about unprincipled decisions. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Uh, and I don't think it gets another five years. Look, it's done some good, but a lot of things would do good if the Constitution permitted it. The Constitution just doesn't permit it, just like it didn't permit using race to decide who should be confined in camps in 1943 after the Japanese invasion in 1941, the Japanese attack. We can find 110,000 Americans, mostly, who were of Japanese descent. That was using race. I don't think you can use race anyway, positive or negative, because every time you use it positive, you use it negative. Remember, if one group is, quote, underrepresented, that means another group is overrepresented. In the 1920s, President Lowell of Harvard thought Jews were overrepresented. They were 20 percent of the entering class and only 3 percent of the population. So he essentially imposed uh, quotas by the use of a character committee in which Jews always got ranked the lowest today, Asian-Americans are ranked the lowest by the same kind of character committee. It's a subterfuge. Professor, how well do you know uh, Netanyahu? It looks like there's some breaking news coming out of Israel that he's he's getting close to maybe making a difference. He secures a razor-thin majority. Right. That happened last time, too. I'm going to Israel in a a week, and I'm going to have dinner with Bibi and Sarah. I've known him since he was 22 years old. We're very close friends. Um, uh, We've been friends for years. Um, I never have gone to Israel since he's prime minister and haven't had dinner with him and looking forward to having dinner with him. We'll probably be a little busy. But he'll make time for me, I guarantee you. So uh, we'll see what happens. Wow. Maybe you'll you'll call us from Israel and give us some breaking news. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. But, um, you know, if you don't like the outcome of this Israel election, don't worry. There'll be another one in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Dershowitz, I was talking to my mother's doctor and, and she and he quoted you and he was saying, you know, I, I don't feel like I can even be a Democrat anymore because you have these far left progressives that have taken the party hostage because they're anti-Israel. Whenever you hear them talking about they're anti-Zionist, it's because they hate Israel. And he said, I can't I can't in good conscience call myself a Democrat anymore. What do you think about those type of comments? Well, I hope Democrats will remain pro-Israel. Look at Berkeley. Berkeley today, nine clubs say you can't speak about anything. You can't speak about taxes, about abortion, unless you announce that you're not 
a Zionist. You can be in favor of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You can be in favor of the Chinese detention of the Uyghurs. You can be in favor of uh, Iran killing gays, but you cannot be in favor of Israel's right to exist. If you are, you can't speak. So I can't speak at these clubs. And now these clubs are being financed by big New York law firms, the same law firms that wouldn't hire me in 1960. One, when I was first in my class, editor-in-chief of the Yale Journal and a Supreme Court law clerk, they wouldn't hire me because I was Jewish. Now these same firms are supporting clubs that won't allow me to speak because I'm Jewish as 90 percent of Zionists on the campus of Berkeley are Jewish. So it's a clear anti-Semitic thing. And I want to hear the Democrats oppose it. I want to make sure that Nancy Pelosi doesn't pose on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine with Ilan Omer, who's an amazing. I understand Nancy Pelosi is going to go to the Vatican and ask for forgiveness. Uh, Well, she should deserve forgiveness for that. She should never oppose and give legitimacy to a bigot and an anti-Semite like Ilan Omer and some of the others on the squad. I completely agree with your description of the extreme left of the Democratic Party. But I voted for Biden precisely because I thought he would be a centrist who would marginalize the extreme left. I think he has done a good job as a centrist, but not a good job in marginalizing the extreme left. Alan Dershowitz, thank you for the update, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Sure. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.